Kevin and I and, and Rory, we beat ourselves up over this. Like, how do we, how do we want to present this? And um, Kevin and I uh, got together last Thursday, I think it was, and uh, discussed what we wanted to go over at the retreat. And it had been decided it was going to be Romans chapter 12. That was going to be our, our main text. And then Kevin got thinking about it, and, and he's like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't. Maybe we just want you know, part of that. That'll be Rory. He'll do, he'll do the first part, and then maybe we'll go over it. So we sat there for like five hours probably, looking through our Bibles. What do we want to do? And then that saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We end up right back where we started. Romans chapter 12. And, uh, you know, if I were to pick anywhere in this, I would probably go, oh, you know what, I want to pick the first two verses. Because those are the verses that, uh, as a worship leader, as a worshiper, those stand out to me. I'm like, that talks about worship. I want to talk about that. But uh, as, as chance would have it, as, as the Lord's will would have it, I have verses 9 through 21. And uh, we'll just, let's just dive right in and read. But first, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I just pray right now, uh, Lord, as sincerely as I can, that you would speak, Lord, that, that you would move Stuart out of the way, that you would just take over this time, Lord, that your spirit would be uh, the one who is working, Lord, that you would get the glory, uh, that it would be pleasing to God the Father, and uh, that we would just use this time, Lord. We would listen, Lord. I pray that, that our distractions, our thinking of what we're going to do when we get home, and packing stuff, and and uh, what am I going to get to drink? Or, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Lord, I pray you would just, you would keep that at bay. Uh, Lord, because I believe what we have to go over is important. So Jesus, we, we commend this to you. We commit this to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So let's get into Romans 12, verse 9. And we'll read right through that. And I want you guys to be thinking about this and thinking with this question, what is your reaction to what we're reading? Okay. Honestly assessing that within yourselves. It says, uh, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient, uh, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, you're, if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As you read that, what, what are your thoughts? How, how do you, just gut reaction, you can even shout it out, call it out, you don't have to shout, we can probably hear you, but um, anybody, anybody? What do you think? 
Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's good stuff, right? All very good. Does anybody read that and go, oh man, oh, that's a lot of stuff. Do, do I really have to be, I mean, how kind do I have to be? How, how nice do I have to be to my enemy? Can I, can I just pretend to be nice to him? Yeah, can I love him but not like him? Do I, do I have to make him my friend? What exactly does that mean? And here's the thing. I think if we, if we were to have split this study up over weeks or something and lose sight of the context, the surrounding text, we would probably approach this verse, these verses here, and maybe teach a whole message on those. Um, and it would probably be a good message. But my intent is to wrap it all around because does anybody know what has been the overarching theme of this whole weekend, this 24-hour period really that we've had? Worship, idolatry, idols. That's the thing I've been hearing. That's the thing that we, that we were studying uh, and just felt that was very convicting to us. And so that's, that's what we want to kind of touch on again. But... If we were to just read these verses and just teach on them and say, all right, so guys, I'm gonna, I want you to go out there. I want you to go get them, you know, like some football coach in the locker room at halftime in the game, and he's, he's sitting there, you know, trying to give them a pet talk and get them all pumped and ready to go out there and just kick some butt. And you guys, you'd probably, if I were to do that, you'd probably get excited, right? Yeah, 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 we can do it. Even if you were inside going, Man, I really don't think I can do that. I'm not, I'm not real sure. But everyone else is doing Okay, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm super pumped. And you'd leave here pumped. Just like camp. If you've ever been to a Christian camp as a kid, you know, you, you get that camp high, they call it. Or if you've been to Bible college, when I was in Bible college, you'd leave that semester. Oh, man, I'm just so in love with Jesus. I, I absolutely want to go out there and minister. I am going to do it. I, 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 the key word right there. And then you maybe make it a week, if you're lucky, and you fall flat on your face. And then you're wondering, what went wrong? Why, why am I falling? Why is this so hard to do? And that is, I think, an indication of where our worship is and was at that time. If we look at these verses and, and, and we think that, oh yeah, I can do it. Uh, or if we look at them and we get completely discouraged we have lost sight of what the point of this chapter was and what, the, what our, our existence, our very existence is about. Um, my wife and I, we've been reading this book that's it's called um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and it's about parenting from a biblical perspective. And not just like, you know, how do I spank them, when do I spank them, how do I manipulate their behavior and make them really well-behaved kids. It's not that. It's actually about getting to the heart from a very early age, getting them to see that, you're a sinner. We're born into sin. We have a problem. We have a condition. And we need something or someone to do something about that. And so when your kid sins and you see, you, you begin to recognize the, the traits of a heart that's filled with sin. Because uh, if you know your heart very well, then you, you're able to spot it pretty easily. So when your kid hits, you don't just say, why did you hit them? What were you thinking? Why would you do that? You get at the heart. What made you do that? What inside of you thought that hitting would be the good thing to do? And in this, the whole goal you teach your kids is this thing from, uh, I think it's a Lutheran catechism. Uh, you 
have this concept of you ask them this question. Does anyone know what a, not know what a catechism is? It would it'd be like the way that they would memorize doctrine, doctrinal truths, or maybe they were lies too, you don't know, but you, you hope that they're all true. And so you teach that to the people, and it would ask a question, and then there would be an answer. And so the answer, the question actually, would be, what is the chief end of man? And that's kind of like an old English way of saying, what is the meaning of my existence? What is man here for? And the answer that you would call back with would be, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so you begin teaching your kids this from a young age. And that changes the way they view things, because you don't have to even tell a kid. I, I, I've been a kid. I think all of us probably were at one time. I, maybe, maybe not Mike, but um, just kidding. Uh, I'm going to totally knock that guitar over. Uh, you, you don't have to teach us to be selfish, to be thinking that my real reason for existence is to glorify myself and to enjoy my own life, everything, forever, right? That is what I want to hit on today is the real idea of worship, not just that we sing some songs here, not just that we get to get together on this weekend and have a good time and you know shoot a 50 cal or uh, you know go tour the ranch and, and look at gold mines and that kind of thing. We are here to really learn about worship, to renew ourselves in this continual attitude of worship. And, and uh, maybe you're thinking, oh, of course, the worship leader, that guy, he's going to, that's his favorite topic, isn't it? Well, I, I do like it. What I want really is for us to, to see that worship is not just a thing that we do or not just an issue that we address. It is really the chief reason for us existing. It is the issue of issues. Worship determines everything else. Uh, you know the verse in, in Proverbs, out of the, the abundance of our heart, you know, the, the, our mouths speak. Uh, Proverbs talks about the heart all the time. And we, uh, I use this example in the youth group, but if I'm, if I'm walking around carrying a cup and someone bumps into me and I spill it, and it was water, but all of a sudden sewage comes out, do I say, look what you made me do. You made the water in my cup turn from water into sewage, and, and I spilled it all over you. That's kind of foolish, right? No, it's, it was one or the other to begin with. And that's the same thing with our heart. We always go, well, it's your fault. You made me do this. It, it's, if, you have, if you have kids or you've been around kids, or again, if you've been a kid, you probably remember that. Well, he hit me, so I punched him, and, and so it's his fault. I didn't start it it's really evidence that there was something else within your heart to begin with. Something that, that didn't like to see yourself humbled, that didn't like to see yourself, uh, you know, disrespected. Your respect was the greatest thing. And I think as men, we know that respect is probably the key thing that we long for, right? The Bible even confirms that. As it talks about uh, husbands loving their wives because that's what they need, and that's what we need to do, and that's probably the thing we struggle with the most. And then wives are to respect their husbands, right? And why is that that that, that command is given? Obviously, there was a need for it, right? There was some, some reason that that command was given out. It wasn't just like Paul was sitting there like, you know, I think this would probably be a nice thing to say. I doubt they're even struggling with that, but I'll throw that in there too. No, he knew. He knew that this was an issue. And so for us, respect is a big thing. We don't want to feel dis. We don't want to feel disrespected or mistreated or abused. Don't you know who I am? I am important. I am somebody 
that's not the attitude that we should have. Uh, in Scripture, it talks about, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ. Even though he was equal with God, he didn't consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, becoming a man, becoming a servant. And Jesus, uh, uh, likewise, he also says of himself, he says, is the servant any greater than the master? And he says, so don't be surprised if they hate you. If they hated me, do you think they're going to love you? If you're my servant and I'm your master, and I got down and I washed feet, do you think that you should be anything less? And so we look at these, these things here, and these really aren't a, a list of things that I want you guys to go home necessarily and go, all right, so I just need to be less hypocritical in my love, and I just need to be more kindly affectionate in brotherly love and honor. Those are good things to aim for, but those are fruit fruit of a heart that is a worshiping heart of God. If you're plugged into the source, just like a, a mountain, you know, the, the source of water or whatever coming down, the melt-off, then you've got all that trickle down. Everything else is covered, right? But shooting the water back up the mountain, that's, that's a little trickier. You don't see too many rivers flowing uphill. But we kind of live these lives that are like, I'm going to flow uphill. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take this list and I am going to commit to doing these things. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to be the man. And everybody will go, Stuart, what a good job. You are such a holy guy. You are such a humble guy. You're the least hypocritical guy I've ever met. You are probably one of the most kindly affectionate in brotherly love kind of people I have ever met. And I sit there and go, stop, stop. You know, under the table, I'm, yeah, come on, bring, bring it on. A little more, a little more. Where's the glory going? Who am I fixing the attention on? It's me, right? So who was I doing it for, really? Me, myself. Well, if we swing all the way back around here, at the very beginning, and actually go back into Romans, uh, the very end of chapter 11, verse 36. It says, uh, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Then he says in 12 again, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So in those two verses there, they actually give you a, an amazing picture of what worship is. Um, we talk, we've been talking about idolatry. And maybe you're still kind of like, ah, well, we, we had this talk in our, our room last night. Well, what, is this an idol? As long as I can give it up, then is it really an idol? As long as I say, ah, oh, like a smoker, I could quit at any time, but I don't want to. Is that all I have to do? No. It really comes down to the issue of your heart. And so what I want us to do is perhaps look at our lives a little bit and see where are the idols really? Where are the things that the rival thrones, the things that, that we worship more than Jesus, that we see as the greatest thing? Um, and what we see in verses uh, 36 there and in verse 1, there are a couple things involved in worship we see the first is glory and the second is sacrifice. And this will help us know, are we worshiping God or are we worshiping someone or something else? Worship always involves glory and sacrifice. And maybe you're like, well, okay, I roughly understand those words from being in church, but what do they mean? Well, glory, anything. Glory means weightiness, preeminence, greatness, something that you highly esteem. You find worth something worthy 
So often in our lives, this is how it'll play out. You find something that you think is great, and I'll try and use an example. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's cars, maybe it's women, maybe it's sex. And you say, that to me is glorious. That is the greatest thing I could attain to. That is the greatest accomplishment, or that is the greatest person I could sleep with. I, I will commit my time, I will commit everything to that. And that's where sacrifice comes in. Sacrifice, because we are not infinite creatures like God, right? We are finite, so we have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of money and resources, uh, and a limited amount of talent. You know, I could probably sit and, and practice the guitar as much as I want, and my talent might get better, but I'm, maybe I've leveled off. Maybe I've peaked where I'm going to peak. We, ha- we are finite in what we, what we can do. And so because we are finite, we then begin to make sacrifices with those things, our time, our treasure, our talent. And we say, you know what? The thing that is the most weighty, the thing that holds the most glory for me is, is hunting, or the thing that holds the most glory is, is that car, or that relationship, or my family. And so, you know what? I'm going to make all the sacrifices I can of other things. Other relationships? No, I can't, I can't go to church because I'm, I'm working on my car. I can't meet that guy for lunch because I am, you know, hunting or whatever it is. For you, you know what it is. What thing that right now, given the choice, if I said, would you rather go and worship God by, and I'm not just talking about going to church and holding your hands up, but worship him with a life of love, or would you rather do this? You'd be like, oh, hands down, that's the easy one right there. So you make the sacrifice, right? You make a sacrifice to, to get what you want. You sacrifice that time. You sacrifice that money. You sacrifice that relationship. So perhaps it is that car. So, and your wife is like, man, I really wish that uh, he would spend some time with me. I really wish that our relationship was better. No, no, no. I put that on the altar. I've sacrificed that for this. And it's an inversion, really, because as we looked at, at Romans at the very beginning, Romans one twenty-five, I think it is, it talks about that they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That's the inversion right there. Creator, creation. Whoop, and we flip it. Now, the place of greatest preeminence, of greatest glory, of most importance, highest esteem, creation. Be it a person, a place, a thing, an experience. Who's on the bottom? God. And there, it's not like there are levels. Like, well, you know, God's in second place. Isn't that good enough? Isn't he happy with that? It's, it's one or the other. There's first and second. Which is it going to be? The thing is, with worship, it's not just the bad things. Because we've talked about, you know, addiction to pornography, addiction to drinking, addiction to smoking, addiction to drugs. Those things, yeah, they aren't good for you. They're bad. But you can hold as your God, as your idol, something or someone that maybe is a good thing. You know, it could be that relationship. It could be that child. To you, that, that child, and my wife is expecting a baby, and I'm keep, I keep worrying that I'm going to get a phone call in the middle of this and be like, hey, you got to go. Okay, see you guys. Um, but I, I still don't quite know, and this is just from what I've heard of people who, who love their kids, but the second they're born, you see them and you're just like, wow, that is amazing. I love, I would do anything for that, that person. And even as much as, as they grow up and they tick you off, 
crash your car or whatever, (laughs) you still love them, right? But for some of us, we've turned our children or our spouse into our idol. You don't care so much if they go to church with you or, or worship God with you. You just want them. You want their time. You want, you know, and again, these are things that are good things that we can turn into God things, right? I think we've said that a few times now. Good things that can turn into God things. We, we invert the creation and the creator. And so, instead of teaching your kids that the most important thing is that they, what, what did we say the chief end of man was? To glorify God and enjoy him forever? We teach them, the, hey, son, daughter, the chief end of you is to be a good uh, basketball player, sports, band, you know, every single thing. Swimming, I'm going to run you to everything. You're going to be the best athlete that there ever was for your glory, for your fame. And then Christ, even if we say we're Christians, he's an afterthought, right? We go to church and, and we're like, hey, I just want you guys to know God is the most important thing. Anyway, okay, the rest of the week, now we're going to live like this is the most important thing because that thing is the most important thing. That thing has become your God, your functional savior. That's the thing you put your hope, you fix everything on, right? And then the thing is with idols is they're always liars. And it's not even them that are lying to us. That It's us. We make up something about them. And then when they disappoint us, we're destroyed, right? You could fix your hope in your kid. You fix your hope in that basketball game. You better do good tonight. You know, yell at them, whatever it is. And then they, they don't do well man, I'm really disappointed in you. Or for some of us, politics. That's another one. Functional idol. And I, I, I like politics. I understand you know, why you would be concerned. And, and we are to have a concern for politicians. It says in Scripture we're to pray for them. But for you, your Savior is that candidate and that party and that, that belief system, that new tax going through or not going through. If we could just get that, that would, that would change this entire country. If we could just get abortion repealed, then everything would be fine. We're, what we're doing really is we're chasing all of these fruit things that are not root things. We are, we're missing the root and going for the fruit. And so we're like little firemen running around and putting out every fire instead of catching the arsonist who's, who's the source, right? And so that is one of the ways that... that we, we tend to look at our, our problems, our situations in life, and, and say that, you know, I, I have a problem with this. Mine is drinking. Mine is smoking. I, I, I am this. I am that. And there are all kinds of things, and we don't want to knock them. We don't want to make you think that those things aren't good, that they aren't well-intentioned. But what you have to ask yourself, in anything that is sin, if anything else is saying, no, what you really need is this and not Jesus, is that a good thing? Are, are they saying the, the creator of the universe, as it says that Jesus is, is incapable of fixing your sin problem? Because that's our deepest problem. That's our, our deepest need is to have ourselves redeemed from sin. We can run around and say, you know what, I just really need to quit smoking. I just really need to quit drinking. I just really need to quit focusing so hard on making my kids such a success to mold them into my image. Interesting. Image, idol is an image, right? Icon, iconic. We mold our kids into our image. You're going to become what I never could be. I'm going to make my idol out of you. 
We focus on those things and we think that those are the greatest things. And consequently, what we see here, again, getting back to our verses we read, to uh, my headline here calls it behave like a Christian. In the um, ESV Bible, it's, it's something like marks of a true Christian, uh, the traits of a true Christian. If all we have are idols that we are really worshiping, and Rory references too, like in the Old Testament, in Kings and in Samuel and stuff, we see these kings, mostly in, in Kings, but we see these kings, and the mark of whether they were good or not wasn't so much whether they got that tax breakthrough or they, they repealed this law or passed this one. The mark of whether they were good was if they did good or evil in the sight of God. And the way they did good or evil was by reestablishing worship, correct worship. Because you had these high places that oftentimes the high places were, were not just places that these idols were, though they came to be, but it was that they didn't have a temple always. And so they would go up to these places to worship God and worship him in their own special way, in their own unique way. Didn't really care how God said that he was to be worshipped. And so they chose to make their own little systems of worship. And even after the temple was established, some of these places still existed and they weren't wiped out. And how, how weird or how ironic is that, that, that really it speaks of our lives as Christians, right? We, we have these lives that we became a Christian. We have the temple. God lives within us. Our body, our, our heart is a temple of the Holy Spirit, it says. And we are able to offer up spiritual worship because of that temple in our hearts. Hebrews talks about that. No longer do we need that temple in Israel. But yet we still have high places, right? We still have those areas that those are actually living alongside. And God is, he's, he cannot dwell with sin. And so he exposes them to you and you say, well, you know, that, everyone else is doing it. What's so wrong with pornography? Come on. It's not like I've never seen it before. It's not hurting anybody. It's a victimless crime. Look, it's just me. My wife doesn't really care. Well, she kind of cares, but, you know, that's just her problem. We worship that idol and we say, I need this. Just like a drug addict says, I need this cocaine or I need this meth. I need this to make me feel a certain way, to bring me a certain level of joy. And that is our God. That is our Savior. That is what we've chosen to worship. And so, guys, what we want this weekend what, for you to come away with is the idea that all of this stuff here, all of these good things, they are not the thing that you are to be pursuing. You are to per be pursuing Christ. That is why we are here. That is what we exist for. And I, I think we referenced the church of Ephesus earlier. Kevin referenced that in Revelation. And Again, they had great stuff. If you looked at them from the outside, they had the gifts. They had great fruit, it seemed. But they didn't love Jesus anymore. And how weird is that, that you would be a church that says you worship Jesus and you don't worship Jesus. And yet we have tons of them all over. And not just churches, but Christians. That is what we, we have inverted. We have turned something around. We have begun pursuing the fruit rather than the root. And the root of this really all should be Christ. That is who we should be fixing our hope on, fixing our lives on. Again, going back to the top there, that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice. And it's not just saying your physical body, but recognizing your mind, soul, spirit, all as one part of you. That is what you are to be presenting to him. 
And it's not just a one-time, all right, I did that once, all right? Like people who always say, well, I got saved back in 78, and I haven't been to church since, but I am on, on, an on-fire Christian. I hate Christians, though. <laughs> That's always the funny one. I hate Christians, but, man, I love Jesus. Mm, First John talks about that. It says you can't say you love God and hate your brother. We want to make up our own little systems of worship. We want to choose, pick and choose. Well, I like this about God, and I like, I like the way that he multiplied the fishes and the loaves, and he took care of the people, and he was nice, and he was friendly, and uh, he had long hair, you know, something like that. And, but we don't like to find the part where he talks to the religious people, and he calls them hypocrites, a brood of vipers. And, and it's, the language there seems to suggest that he's really, you know, fired up. He's not just like, <clears throat> scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. All right. And it's like nobody hears him. He's like, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He's calling them out. All these people who were there to point people to Jesus, the Messiah, when he came, they were pointing to themselves. They were worshiping themselves in their own goodness. They were worshiping God in their own special, unique way, rather than conforming themselves to the image of Christ, being transformed, being expectantly waiting for the Messiah. And it's really not supposed to be any different today. We are to have this attitude of expectation that Christ is here with us, and yet we are looking forward to him coming. We get to worship him now, but we also get to worship him face to face. Maybe you guys have heard the expression, eternity starts now. It's not the day you die. It's the day you get saved. The day you come to Jesus, your eternity is sealed with him. And it starts now, and you choose to begin living in the kingdom of God right here on earth and worshiping him with your bodies as living sacrifices, offering him everything. Instead of saying, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'll give over my addictions, I'll give over my problems, I'll give over all that stuff, but here's the things I'm doing pretty well, so I'm not really going to worry about those. I'm a pretty good husband already, I'm a pretty good father, I'm pretty good at my job. I'm a good leader, I don't really need to surrender those things to Christ. All I really need to do is focus on me, uh, on the areas that are sinful. Well, last I checked, if you present your body, that's everything, right? You don't really have anything else. That's the only thing you really have on this earth, is you. If you're presenting that, that's everything. Your heart, your thoughts, your emotions, they're to be surrendered to Jesus. Because in him is the only way that those things that you struggle with, those troubles, that's, he's the only one that can redeem them. He's the only one that can take them and completely change them. This world has methods. They have ways of, of taking down idols but the problem with worship, and it's both a problem and a good thing, is you can't remove one idol and leave nothing there in its place. Jesus talked about this when he said there was the man who was demon-possessed, and they, they kicked out all the demons, and then what did they do? They returned later to find there was all this space left. Oh, it's been neatly swept and cleaned. Hey, thanks for cleaning it up for us. Well, in the same way, our, our worship has to be towards something. As I said, we are created to worship. We are worshipers. You just look around. Look at sports events. Look at television. Look at shows like American Idol. You have, you know, Idol right there in the name. And it's because people will worship that. They will watch it. That's why it's on the air. It makes a lot of money. People love their idols. They will worship something. You cannot just say, well, I'll quit drinking and then I'll be good. I'm clean. I'm great. 
and it only took me 12 steps. You, you need Jesus. You can't just remove the one and then have nothing. You will worship something else. A lot of times what you'll see is someone will remove one and they'll move to another one. They'll go, well, I, I quit drinking, but now I overeat. Or I quit overeating, but um, now I'm anorexic. <laughs> it's like they move from one idol to the next because they can't find satisfaction apart from Jesus. We were made that way. We're engineered to be worshipers of God and to have relationship with him. And if we choose to ignore that fact, we will have a miserable Christian existence. You may be saved, but it's kind of that saying, too much of the world in you to, to be happy in Christ and too much of Christ in you to be happy in the world. I don't really like that saying, but it is somewhat true. You, you can be so intent on living that double life of, of worshiping one thing and the other and, and keeping one a secret and the other. And just as long as those two worlds never meet, hey, no one's the wiser, but Christ is. So, again, let's look through those verses. Let's see what, what the marks of a true worshiper are. And this should hit us and make us go, oh man, man, I haven't been worshiping in the right place. If you look at each of these things, they probably have a false God behind each of them if you're doing the opposite. An idol that you worship that causes you. And for instance, let love be without hypocrisy. If, if you, what is love with hypocrisy? It's being two-faced, right? Being kind to someone up front, seeming loving and caring because you care about what people think about you, but then you turn around and you stab them in the back. You worship and serve your reputation. You worship and serve your comfort. If you abhor what is evil, but don't cling to what is good, that's the same thing as that. You tear down one idol, but you'll, you go to another one. It's, it's a double, double thing. You have to have both. I, I can't be like, I, I cling to what is good, but I also kind of like a little bit of evil every now and again. What's, what's wrong with a little porn? What's wrong with a little bit of murder? What's wrong with a little, you know, whatever. <laughs> you name your thing. It's funny, we laugh, because it's like, well, murder, that's, that's the next step. You know, that's even worse. Even though scripture... Sexual sin, it says, if you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. Every other sins outside of the body. So which is worse? I don't know. It's something to think about. But be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. It's easy to go, I'll be nice to this guy. Hey, hey, nice shoes. Hey, I like the way you're, you know, you're looking today <laughs> or something. Hopefully you're not talking to guys like that. That's kind of weird. But hey, Kevin. <laughs> No, uh, but, but you're like, hey, nice truck. You're kindly affectionate, but you don't give preference to, to somebody. Or, hey, hey, you're a smart guy. Don't be so hard on yourself. Anyway, I'm going to go do this thing over here and not let you do that with me. I'm not going to, I don't want to prefer you, you know, let that person go ahead of me in the line or whatever it is. Not lagging in diligence, it says. Fervent in spirit, spirit, serving the Lord. This is something um, just in the... I've really only been, I would say, in like full-time ministry, if you want to call it that, since I moved to Prineville, um, which was over five years ago now. Um, but I had done ministry stuff before. But you know the, the hardest thing, and we talked about this too before, when Kevin was talking about the gifts and using your gifts and getting involved is you can find people who, who will serve, but they aren't diligent, 
they don't follow through, they don't answer their phone or return a message or show up on time or, you know, whatever the thing is. They aren't faithful to do and finish what they say they will do. They aren't fervent in spirit. And you know why? It's because they aren't serving the Lord. They're not doing it as unto the Lord. I'm just doing this because, you know, Rory told me to do it, you know, whatever. I, I have a bad heart. I have to confess that to you. Sometimes someone will tell me, hey, can you do this? Hey, I can't. I, don't you know who I am? I don't have time for that. I'm the worship leader, darn it, you know. I, I can't clean up that mess of poop or whatever it is, you know. I have to, I have to do my important worship leader-y stuff, <laughs> like be in my office and work on my computer. That, that somehow ties into worship. <laughs> Number 12 there, verse 12, uh, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Without hope, your rejoicing will be false. It'll be pushed. You, you will have hope fixed on Jesus, and no matter what, even in the tribulation, you'll, be per, you'll persevere in that uh, tribulation. You'll be patient in it. That is probably one of the hardest things as guys too, right? When you feel that you are being tri- uh, persecuted, you're in tribulation, you're, you're wrongly accused of something, you don't want to hope. You, you want to go and get even, right? You want to go and crush somebody. It's a heart thing, though. You need to be worshiping Jesus and you will see that you'll rejoice in that hope. You'll continue steadfastly in prayer. That's something I'm guilty of. You know, I kind of will hold the attitude like, "Ah, you know, I pray throughout the day. I'm thinking constantly aware of the Lord, but am I really sitting down and taking time and and worshiping Jesus and just praying to him and and confessing my sin and asking him to um, guide me and lead me in this day, in this moment? Am I taking a moment to Sabbath? I, I have to say no. Most of the time, no. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's a hard one too. We like our money. We like our, our comfort. I keep thinking this too. Here, I'll air my, my laundry a little bit here. I, I keep thinking, man, I would really like to get a flat screen TV. Nothing fancy, just, you know, 52-inch, 120 hertz plasma. I don't know, plasmas are 120. Uh, LCD or LED TV, you know, it's just maybe under, it's under 1000 bucks. I could work up to that, right? I could save that. And then, I, then at home, I'm like, I barely watch TV. Why do I even want this thing? What am I going to do? And then the Lord starts going, hey, but you know who does need $1,000? Or you know how you could use $1,000? Instead of spending it on that thing that, is really just an idol box. You know, you can watch, you can sin with it. Not that there aren't great shows you could watch, like 24. I'm sure God watches that too. No. <laughs> I'll erase that from the recording. But, um, but what could I do with that? I'm not very hospitable. You know, maybe that's you. Maybe you say, uh, and I, I aim to be hospitable. If somebody comes to town, back in this day, Christians, when they would go from town to town, they would stay with other Christians. And they, sometimes that was the only way they could stay anywhere. Maybe a town didn't have a place like a, an inn or something like that. But even today, do we invite other Christians, not just Christians, but non-Christians over? Do we let them stay in our house? Do we minister to them by giving them food? Are we, are we um, distributing to the needs of the saints, as it says here? Looking to, at other Christians going, you know what? That guy's car just broke down and I have four of them sitting in my front yard and I only drive one of them. 
but uh, you know, I like to change it up every day. <laughs> how, about, how about you don't change it up every day and you just loan your car out to somebody? Blessing those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. I, I like how he points that out too. You bless those who persecute you. You could say, all right, I'll bless him. And then after I'm done, you know, <laughs> stupid jerk, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, I pray that God would bless your life, even though I hate your guts and I hope you die on the way home. You know, it's like, you might, you might go, okay, I'll bless him, but maybe I'll throw in a curse at the end there too. No, bless, don't curse. These are hard things that apart from Jesus, we are not going to accomplish. And finishing it up here, we'll just read the last few um, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You know, we want to make sure it's appropriate. Uh, you know, maybe you're a boisterous kind of person. I'm, I'm jovial, as they say. I'm just a fun-filled, easygoing, laid-back guy. I don't like to get serious. And when somebody is weeping, it's like, oh, where's the exit? Dang it, you know. It, maybe you're one of those, your, your wife starts to cry and you're just like, uh, anyway, I'm going to go mow the lawn or something you hate to do, but you're like, anything other than sitting here and talking with you and weeping with you. Maybe that's something some of you guys need to get, get doing in the power of the Spirit, of course. But um, also being of the same mind toward one another. Instead of holding this, well, I really like, uh, you know, Mark Roden. He's, he's a great guy, but, you know, man, I just can't stand that other guy. Oh, yeah, I know he says he's a Christian, but, but uh, I just don't like him. No, treating each other equally is, is kind of the idea. It's, it's communicating here. And don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. I don't think he's saying, like, don't set a goal. He's saying, don't, don't be like, you know what? My goal is to be the most powerful, richest, most esteemed, greatest man in history, and I don't have time for you. Associate with the humble. You know, walk by the beggar on the street. Hey, I don't have time for that guy. The homeless people, the, the ministry at the Oasis. You know what? I'm a busy person. I, I'm, working, I'm working 40 hours a week. You know, anybody know what that's from? No, never mind. Um, <laughs> dumb and dumber, in case you were wondering. Uh, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. No, I'm busy. I'm important. I can't do this. Somebody else will take care of it. And in the meantime, nobody else takes care of it. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You probably like that fact that he's not like, you better live peaceably with everybody. You, don't have, you have no choice in it. He says, if at all possible, because sometimes peace doesn't depend on you anymore. It's like, you know what, I've blessed that person. I'll give you an example. I had an incident with a neighbor and somebody who was staying with us, and you know, basically they didn't like us. And so I noticed that they didn't have air conditioning uh, and uh, they were leaving their windows open. And so Alicia and I were like, hey, you know what? We've got this extra air conditioner. We're going to take this air conditioner and we're just going to give it to them. You know, I could have sold it or whatever, made a hundred bucks or whatever. But no, we, we just gave it to them. We made the effort to, to be peaceable with them. They haven't said anything to us, but they did put it in their, their window. So I knew that they, they used it. Uh, so... As much as it depends upon you, as far as it is with you, live peaceably. And then he says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, 
you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The coals of fire thing, in case you're wondering, there's a debate back and forth on that. Some say that it was like a blessing thing. You know, here I'm giving you coals for your fire and they'd carry them on their head or something. Others are saying that it, it was a way of like, you know, mm, I'm getting back at you. Even though you're mean to me, I'm going to be nice back to you and it's going to irritate you. Um, I, I tend to think it's the idea is, is simply that you're going to blow them away with the grace that Christ has put in your life because they know that if I treated anybody else that way, I would have probably get, gotten punched out. I, I've, some people will push your buttons. It's not going to be like a one-time confrontation and then everything, you know, you, you're nice to them and everything's fine. Sometimes it's going to be a perpetual, continual prodding and pushing and poking. Just trying to see, is this Jesus person that you claim to love, that you, you claim to worship, does he amount to a hill of beans in your life? They want to find the angry button and push it over and over again until you explode and then they can go, see, all you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Going all the way back to that, let love be without hypocrisy. In all of this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That whole idol thing again. Don't just take down an idol and leave it empty. Fill that place with Jesus. That is what we want to encourage you guys with today. Not just give you a rah-rah, way to go, be men, pat yourselves on the back, be accountable, and that's all you really need. No, what you really need is Jesus. And then you need fellowship. And here's the thing, all of that again coming back to worship, there are, there are some things that you need to be aware of that, like I said, it's a continual sacrifice of yourself. Jesus made a sacrifice once for all. We are worshiping him then with our lives, saying, how can, how can I not look at that and go, what can I do? What, how, how can I give anything more, Lord? Just take everything. We sing that song that, what can I say, what can I do, but, but offer this life up completely to you. That should be our heart and our attitude. And if you are here today and you're like, you know, that's really not my heart. Or, hey, shut up. I don't want you to, you know, dig in that area of my heart. I don't want any light shed in that room in, in my house inside of me. Leave me alone. I just can't wait to get out of here. That's an indication that that is probably an area where you're hiding that idol. You don't want that thing exposed. What we want to see is that Jesus is the one who you have... You've come to and you said, Lord, I give my life to you. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, because I'm not assuming, I'm not ignorant and like, oh, everybody here is a Christian because they're on a Christian retreat. You know, half of you may not be. If you're not, you need to come to Jesus first. And if you've heard anything from this weekend, I hope what you've heard is that Jesus is, is the one who does the work. He is the one who redeems. He is the one who cleanses us. It is not us impressing God with our, our good works, our amazing uh, performance. It's not like trying to get a promotion at work and you're just trying to impress the boss till you can become you know, the CEO. That's not it. In fact, Scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So even in our presenting our bodies, what we're presenting, we're presenting a life that has been redeemed in Jesus. And if your life hasn't been redeemed in Jesus, you need that first. You need salvation. You need to come to him and say, I recognize I'm a sinner. And not only that, I recognize I can do nothing about it. I need salvation. Please, Lord, may I receive, let me receive the gift of salvation that you've given me. We make it into this complicated thing sometimes, and it's not complicated. 
it's simply really difficult for us to submit to because we don't want to cast down our idols. We don't want to give up the areas of worship, the false gods in our life. And I started this night, uh, this night, this afternoon, whatever we want to call it, off by, by talking about worship and talking about how it is the issue. That's what we want you to leave with is go away becoming worshipers, true worshipers, examining your life. If there are things here that don't fit, if there are attitudes that you don't have, if you've simply been resting on your giftedness, which Kevin talked about in the uh, verses 3 through, through 8, you need to make sure that you are doing what you're doing because you love Jesus. So, perhaps you need this renewal, and, and we all really do. There's this renewal where we work, not work on, but we submit our relationship to God. We have that relationship with God. That leads to our relationship with others. Then that leads to being missional, that we are missionaries to people that we don't know, thereby building relationships and ministering to them. We, we are missionaries in our families. We are ministers. And again, as, as fathers and husbands, the greatest gift that you can give is to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. No matter how much money you make, no matter how nice of a car you can provide for your, your, your spouse, no matter how big of a house, nothing matters apart from worshiping Jesus. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we do want to leave today. We want to leave confessing our, our need for you, Lord, and in worship of you, in awe, not because we're leaving going, man, I am a dirt bag, but because we're leaving going, man, you are amazing. The fact that you, the God of all creation, eternal, would step down, becoming like one of us, in order to redeem us from that which we could do nothing to save ourselves from, in order to establish and make that first step in love and in um, building that relationship, that bridge, Lord. May we be overcome and in awe of that, Lord. The more we see you as you are, Lord, I pray the more you would show us who we are. Lord, uh, we want to have your power and your spirit to do these things, not resting on our strength. Lord, I pray no one would leave here today thinking that they just need to go out and be a better performer, Lord, but, but so much more they would think, go out realizing you are the performer, you are the great God who saves, you are the God who has given them away, and that we would all fall on our knees in true worship of you. Lord, casting down our idols, crying out for for cleansing once again. Not salvation if we've received it, but Lord, cleansing from the areas that we have gotten dirty again. Lord, keep us from idols. As, as John says at the end of John, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Lord, worship is the issue. And we want to make, make certain that the worship that we have is worship of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just stand? We'll just close with the last uh, acapella song. <clears throat>